Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, open up to First uh, Peter chapter three. Hey, Angel, you need to. I want to introduce your dad. I can't. Quite, I need to practice with your mom's name a little bit here. So, what's your mom's name? Raquel. Raquel. Rachel. Rachel. Well, <laughs> I can do. Okay. Hey, welcome, you guys. Thanks for being here. Hey, uh, we've been going through a series on First uh, Peter, and uh, ladies, I'm glad to see you here this morning after. Uh, last Sunday's submission sermon, so good, we made it through. Um, so we're in First Peter chapter 3, and at the beginning of the book, Peter addresses this book to those who are chosen, and chosen in God, those who are exiled, and then in First Peter chapter 3, in our passage today, he says, be prepared to give an answer. So we've chosen these three words, this chosen, exiled, and prepared, as our theme as we're going through 1 Peter. And the idea is this. God has chosen us, right, to be in the family of God, that we are uh, now children of God, that we're saved, that we've been given this great blessing. Um, But we're also, just like the group that Peter is writing to, exiled in that this is not our world. We're just passing through. And in that, then, Peter says, in the way that you're living, be prepared to give an answer. So somewhere in this process, after being chosen and exiled, we are to get prepared. And really, that's what Peter's been talking about. It's the way that we uh, live our lives in this exile. And so if we kind of just do a quick overview, uh, one commentary had it broken up this way. In chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we have the exhortation towards humble conduct in good deeds. And those of you who've been around will remember that that, uh, Peter used two words that we are to abstain from certain things and keep certain things. Then he gives us three examples of submission that we looked at. Uh, We looked at being submissive to the authorities, being submissive to the workplace or masters, and then wives submitting to your husbands. We have one more submission coming up in chapter 5, elders uh, in the church, church to the elders. Um, And then throughout this process... Um, Peter's been giving us one person that we are to emulate, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. When we get into uh, this part of chapter 3, verses 8 and following, um, we really have this message of encouragement. Um, And it's not mentioned by name, but David is very much in uh, Peter's thoughts as he is writing this as somebody that we are to be uh, think of as an example in his earlier days, not his later days. And so we're going to look at that. And then obviously Jesus, and then he also adds Noah in here. So it's interesting. We're going to break this up into three sections that we get to, uh, we are blessed to be a blessing in that blessing and doing good, uh, blessing and sharing and sufferings, and the blessings of being a witness. And each of these points, then Peter comes back and he gives us an example, somebody that we can follow in doing that. So let's look at our text uh, from this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, kind of a little bit of a longer text, um, but we're going to go all the way through the end of the chapter. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this, uh, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing For, and quoting Psalm 34, he says, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile you for your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So kind of a long passage. Uh, it's difficult to kind of figure out where you want to break this up. We're trying to, to get through First Peter here before uh, Christmas, and so I made some decisions, and it was interesting when I came to the commentaries, they also agreed it's really hard to decide where Peter is breaking this up. And so it's okay to kind of take a larger portion here. Um, but we are called to be a blessing. And we also, we already saw places where we are called to be a blessing in, in the governmental area, in our workplace, in our marriages. And so I want you just to stop for a minute because we, we have this phrase and it's a good little Christian phrase, blessed to be a blessing. Um, but I, I, wanna, I want you to kind of see what Peter, I believe, is saying here. You've been chosen. God chose you. And we're living in exile. And each of you has been placed into a family, into a community, into a workplace, into a group of friends where you're there now as a light, as a witness, as a proclamation of who Jesus Christ is. You're exactly where God wants you to be. Sometimes we think, man, you know, when this happens, when I, when I can retire, then, then uh, maybe I can serve the church more. Or maybe we think, oh, man, when I can get through school, then, then I can do what God's called me to do. Or maybe we think, uh, maybe we just think we're just too old now and that time has passed. But what I'm saying is, what Peter visions is where you are is where you're called to be a blessing. And some of you go, well, I don't know that I would choose to be in the situation that I'm in. And I just want to stop for a second and say the sovereign God who loves you and has filled you with your spirit is with you. And he is working with you in the circumstances that you are in. 
And so I was thinking of an example from our reading this week. Uh, those of you who are visiting, we, we try to read through uh, the Old Testament uh, through two years, New Testament every year. And one of the readings that came up was, was somebody who was in exile. We don't even get her name. She was just a slave girl. And uh, her master, who is a, is a chief in the army and, and you know, just a, a warrior, he has leprosy. And so this little Jewish slave girl says to her master, you know, there's a prophet in Israel who could heal him. She saw her position. She dared to speak out, probably in a situation that was dangerous for her, and said, there's a prophet in Israel. You might be that one voice in whatever situation you are in that is from God. So, three things today. First, we are blessed uh, to be a blessing and the blessing of doing good, doing good deeds. And here's that overarching principle in there where he says in verse 9 that you were called um, to be a blessing. Um, Let me see if I've got the right verse here. Yes. For this you were called uh, to be a blessing. And we don't think about that. I'm called to be a blessing. How can we do that? Well, there's some behavior that brings blessing, and one of them is unity of mind, unity. Uh, Now, listen, church, it doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything, okay? Uh, Man, I've given that up a long time ago. Ten years at this church, and I don't know, I haven't figured out who is missing, um, but we had an affirmation vote for increasing the budget to fix the roof that's leaking, It was unanimous. I think it was the only unanimous vote that I've had since we've been here. Should have put a hole in the roof a long time ago just to build unity in the church. Um, Just kind of, uh, look, we're not all going to agree. But we can agree on the person of Jesus Christ, on the gospel, and our calling to share that with other people. And so he's saying, let's have a unity of mind in who God is and where he's put us and his love for us, let's be united in that. And then he says sympathy. Now, I have to tell you, when I was preparing this, I'm doing the outline, and I'm putting sympathy on there, and I'm like, I don't like this word. A, I'm not good at it, and B, it just sounds a little eh to me. Now, some of you who I just have big hearts are going, oh, that's what's wrong with our pastor. But, um, but listen, one definition of sympathy was this. Feelings of pity and sorrow for someone's misfortune. That doesn't sound Christ-like to me. Another definition, and here's where I'm warming up to sympathy. Support in the form of shared feelings. Sympathy in the idea of support, coming alongside somebody, encouraging somebody in shared feelings. And I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I can imagine and I can, I can come alongside you in that. I like that. Love, which um, Peter continues to remind us of. Love uh, in the body and love for those outside the body. And then he has this, this phrase here, and I, and I looked at it and I looked at the Greek, and, and surely this means something else. Tender heart. It's a good translation. Just tender heart. Have a heart that is soft. And the more that I think about this, the more that I go, oh, wait a minute. Peter, you're just like right here. You're just, you're getting me right here because 
It's easy after time, right, to just become a little callous, uh, to become a little hard-hearted, to kind of, you know, I've seen that so much, and I think they're playing an angle, and, and you just, your heart begins, and Peter says, look, can we just have a tender heart? And I, man, what a beautiful picture. And in today's day and age, when when people are cynical towards the government and they're cynical towards the family and they're cynical towards the church and especially people that, that call themselves Christians, would a tender heart stand out? Yeah, I think it really would. And so this blessing is a part of, you get to, this is the behaviors that, that happen when you're blessed to be a blessing and this is what it looks like. Tender hearted, humility, I think the church has lacked humility. And humility to me sounds something like this. I am a sinner. And my sin completely separates me from God. I am broken and I am unable to save myself. But God being rich in mercy, sent his son to pay the price for my sin that I might have a relationship with him. And I am trying to follow him and be holy, but I am no better than anybody else. But by the grace of God, I have found a safe harbor in the person of Jesus Christ. And look, if you're looking at somebody and going, oh man, they have messed up your, your, their life. Can you just stop for a minute and thank God that he pulled you out of something? Can you just thank God that he introduced you maybe at a young age to the person of Jesus Christ? Can you just thank God that you've been spared from some of the pain that people around us are going through and in humility have a tender heart for them? Um, humility seems to get kind of pushed aside, but, you know, humility is mentioned quite a bit in the Bible. And we need to remember what our place is. Um, Humility. And then he says there's this idea of of not retaliating, uh, which is hard, right? When when the world is, is pushing you out and and reviling you. It's interesting, we talk about the next point is all about suffering, and the more that I read uh, this book, the suffering that Peter mentions is not, you know, being stoned or whipped or, you know, persecuted. It's being reviled, left out, mocked. It's no different than what many of us are going through or should be going through and just standing for Christ. Things are difficult, Peter goes, I get it. This isn't your home. And they're going to strike out, and I don't want you to retaliate. Now, our world says differently. Stand up for yourself. Um, The Bible says, let God take care of that. Let God do it. And then peace, and and that's not specifically mentioned uh, in verse 9, which I've been kind of wrestling through, verses 8 and 9, but then he quotes Psalm 34. And so those of you who are this summer, uh, we did uh, some sermons on uh, the Psalms, and this is one I preached on this summer. And Psalm 34, um, just kind of give you a little overview. Remember, this had the history to it. David is running from Saul. 
Saul's trying to kill him. And he runs, and you remember as he was running, he grabbed two things uh, from uh, one of the temples there. He grabbed some bread to eat, some consecrated bread, and Goliath's sword. And then he ran to, if you remember, Gath, which was, ironically, where Goliath grew up. I don't think you should walk into town with the sword of somebody you killed. I think that's a, generally a bad idea. And David pretends to be mad. And, and David keeps quoting. This is the second time David has quoted this psalm. So it's obviously in his mind. David is living in exile. At that point, he has nobody. There's, this is before the band of men. This is before all of his buddies. This is, this is before people were supporting him from different... This is, he's by himself. He is in exile. The king, the anointed king is in exile. And David says, from his exile, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Who might he speak evil against? Saul. And, and you know, if he did, most of us would have went, all right, yeah, but no. He says, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him what? Seek peace. Church, just let me just say this. More than being right in your arguments, in social media, with the group around you, seek peace. Do good. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Now listen, and the ear, his ears are open to their prayer. Remember, just last week, he said to the husbands, right? Love your wife, live with your wives, honor your wives, it's a weaker vessel, so that your prayers aren't hindered. Here he's bringing this up again. Look, your prayers are hindered when you're going down the wrong path. Now, I don't know about you. I said this last week. I am not in a position to have my prayers hindered. I, that is not a good place for me to be. Seek peace, righteousness. These are the acts of that. So the, the, the life that he gives us as an example here is David from Psalm 34. David, even when he is in exile, when he has been thrown out of his position uh, in Saul's kingdom, even after fighting all these battles and proving himself to be faithful and doing good, Saul's jealousy gets the best of him. He's seeking David's life, and David says, in the midst of that, my job is to continue to do good and seek peace. Wow. That's a good example. Now, after this, he goes on. He says in verse 11, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sakes, you will be blessed have no fear of them, nor be troubled. So now there's a blessing also when we suffer. There's a blessing when we suffer. And the behavior that brings a blessing, again, is this idea of being zealous for good works. I love, the, I love that he adds zealous. He doesn't just say, hey, do good. Do the good things. Now, some of, us, some of us do that. I don't know if it's just the Baptist face that y'all have or what, you know. 
and we set up for this and we do this, and I've said it before, it'd be nice if occasionally we notified our face that we're doing things, you know, for the love of God and the glory of God, and we're excited about it. In fact, Peter says, not only should you be doing those things, those serving your neighbors and getting involved with people at work that are all messed up and loving your family that's all broken and scattered, you should be zealous about it. Zealous. Now, I know some of you. I know that some of you are zealous for college football. I hear about it. I know some of you are zealous for sitting in a cold, damp place with a fishing pole so you can catch a cold, damp, nasty-tasting fish. (laughs) Some of you even like to go out on the ocean and get sick into it. It makes no sense to me. Our associate pastor is out running around in the cold with a gun. He's zealous about it. Look, I... You're zealous about, some of you are zealous about working out and exercise. Some of you are zealous about music. Some of you are zealous about your family and your grandkids. And look, above all, can we be zealous for doing the work of God? I mean, wouldn't it just be wonderful if one Sunday what we were talking about was all the opportunities we had this week to bless people in our neighborhoods and our families and our communities and not have to talk about if your football team won or lost. Now look, I, I talk about those things. Okay, I mean, what if our Facebook posts weren't full of things that we ate and people that we were angry at, but they were full of things that were just opportunities to bless other people? What if we weren't concerned as much with all the other stuff but just the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, be zealous for good works in your marriage, in your your workplace, in your communities, in the midst of suffering, be zealous about it. And then I just, I love 1 Peter chapter three, verse 15. Um, The ESV is just different than what I learned it back as a kid, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Let me just ask you a question. When's the last time somebody asked you why you have a different outlook? When's the last time somebody said, man, you're really going through some hard things. How come you have so much hope? How come you're not angry about the political Situation. How come you're not angry about the increase in taxes? How come you're not angry? How, co- how can you have so much hope? Oh, when's the last time somebody asked you? And if they did, are you ready to give an answer? Are you prepared to talk about Jesus Christ? We are to be witnesses of hope in the midst of suffering. Here's the thing, folks. We live in a society that avoids suffering at all costs, avoids being put out at all costs, avoids anything that lacks comfort at all costs. And Peter says, you know that suffering that I placed you in? It's an opportunity to shine a light. It's time to be a hope and light. Wherever God has placed you, that suffering is an opportunity. 
Now, I said our mission earlier as a church that we seek to be a multi-generational church, that we do this, uh, we intentionally seek to reach individuals and families in our communities. We do this by growing in our love for God. That is what we're doing this morning in Bible studies and small groups. We want to grow in our love for God, and then somehow we want to take that love that God has given us, and we want to pour it out on other people. That's where the hope comes. We're looking for opportunities to do that. Now, in verse 16, uh, he goes on and says, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, not if you're slandered, when you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ, may be put to shame. Now, there's a couple things here. Um, There's just such a blessing on having a clear conscience. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Maybe you need to kind of think back for a little bit. But um, if you've ever done something that is wrong, um, and you knew it was wrong, and you confessed to God, God, I, forgive me, um, but you didn't really want to tell anybody. You didn't, you know, it's not like you wanted a public confession or something. Now, if you've ever had that situation, and if you think real hard, you have. And then somebody kind of comes up to you and they're talking about something. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh, they know. They found out. Your heart starts beating a little bit faster. That is not a clear conscience. That's what we call a guilty conscience. There is something wonderful about having a clear conscience. About not riding the line not getting as close to sin as we can without going whatever we think that line is. There's something about going, I didn't do it. And he says, you know, you can live a life blessing other people, and when they get mad at you, you can have a clear conscience. Now, I'm going to tell you as a Baptist preacher, that's really hard. I like to, I like to please people. I like people to like me, and it's, I pick the wrong profession. And, uh, and so, man, I just, you know, I love you guys, and Uh, You know, sometimes somebody says, hey, let's get together and have coffee. And you know what I'm thinking. Oh, no. Here it comes. Um, I've been thinking about you. Uh Uh-oh. But we remember, if we're doing the best we can, if we're loving God, if we're trying to bless other people, uh, we don't have to freak out every time. Some of us just are geared that way, but we don't have to. Clear conscience. And then there's this reversal. Notice he says in verse 16, uh, revile your good behavior in Christ. They may be put to shame. This is one of those minor themes that runs kind of all through Scripture. Um, And one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 113, and uh, we've looked at it before. Let me just read it to you real quick. It's a Psalm of praise. Uh, He says, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and on on the earth? Then he says, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes And the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. This psalm is, uh, in one form or another, uh, parts of it 
are in Hannah's song in Psalm 113 and in Mary's uh, psalm, song. And it's this reminder that God takes us from the bottom and he raises us up. And what Peter, I think, is saying here is, yeah, you're suffering. You're exiled. You're not part of the group. Just remain there and let God raise you up. Let him do it. Let him be the one that gets the glory for coming out of that situation. There's a reversal, and it's a beautiful thing. And then finally, uh, the, white, the, the, the life well lived, um, which is funny because I had a typo, and um, um, Elsie caught it, and it's, it says in your notes, a life well lived, but it still says a wife well lived in my notes. Um, and the example here is Jesus. Um, he goes on to say, uh, in verse 17, uh, suffering for doing good, verse 18, for Christ also suffered. Once for sins, the righteous for the, uh, the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, and made alive in the spirit. So the first example is this witness, uh, blessing of being a witness to a hostile world. And the first example he gives us is Christ. Christ is that example of what it means to be a blessing. Um, and then, you know, you're, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking of your situation, uh, whether it's in your family or at work or school or health or finances, and you're just going, I just, I don't want to be here. I don't, this isn't the situation that I thought God was going to give me. I, I know I'm supposed to be a blessing, but I, how can I do it? And you know what? Peter says, in essence, you can't, but, you really can't, but Christ came and he showed us how to do it by humbling himself. I just, the, the God who was on high came down low. The God who had perfect relationship with the Father was separated and and. and and shamed, and all that he did it for us. And so he's saying, look, if Christ can do it, we, in just a small part, get to do part of that. We get to follow. And, you know, I think that there's, a, there's something that we grew up with, those of us who grew up in America, and I don't know how many times, you know, you hear it, the American dream, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And some of you came from very humble beginnings, and you went to school, you worked hard, and you have a nice retirement, all this kind of stuff, and the Lord bless you, and that's awesome that he blessed you in that way, but, but what scripture is saying is sometimes that suffering point, we get to walk with Jesus in, in just the smallest way, and the way that we can be a blessing to others is because God has already blessed us in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's okay sometimes to suffer. It's okay sometimes to struggle. It's okay sometimes not to have it all together. But we keep looking to Jesus Christ. Boy, what a, what a beautiful verse, uh, verse uh, 18. Again, for Christ also suffered once for sins, your sins, 
the righteous, he being righteous, for the unrighteous, you being unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Now we have one of the most difficult sections in scripture, and I'm not the only one that says that. Every commentator said, this is quite possibly the hardest verses in scripture to interpret. So here we go. There's three big questions here. Uh, Who are the spirits in prison that we're speaking of? Uh, What did Christ preach? And when did he preach it? So let me read the verses again, and then I'll try to answer those questions, or at least give you some of the ideas, and then give you uh, my my best guess this morning. (laughs) Because, uh, excuse me, verse 19, in which, right, he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. So who are the spirits in prison? There's three kind of main thoughts here that there are unbelievers who died. Uh, They could be, uh, some people say they're Old Testament believers who died. Uh, And then there's a group of people that refer to the Nephilim, a group of fallen angels that he went and preached to. Uh, What did Christ preach? Uh, Some have argued that he is offering a second chance to a group of people. I don't hold to that at all, but there are some that have put that in their thoughts. Uh, Some people are just saying it's kind of a uh, a completion of the redemptive work. He's just proclaiming that it is, it is finished. Um, and for if you hold to the angels that are being, uh, that theory, that theory follows through and says that this is their final condemnation, their final judgment. Uh, when did he preach? Um, some people say he preached in the days of Noah. Uh, some people say that somewhere between the cross and the resurrection that he descended and preached. Um, or, and some even after his resurrection and before his ascension. Uh, so we have a lot of questions. How do we answer them? Um, I always get excited about these things until I think about having to preach them. Uh, I'm like, oh, I love digging into these things. Oh, what am I going to say about it? Um, it's interesting because we think of these spirits who are in prison, we think of a, a time, uh, a present time. And um, we don't always refer to things that way. And let me give you an example Um, and I probably should have got the date, so I said this right for Frank, but if I say uh, the Queen of England was born on, Frank, do you know off the top of your head you should know this? (laughs) Uh, I thought you were going to have it. If I say the Queen of England was born on, she wasn't the Queen of England when she was born, but I can refer to her in that way. Tarragon, did you have it? Did you know? You you didn't know? Okay, all right. Um, It there is this way of referring. So when he says speaking to the spirits in prison, they may not have been in prison when he was speaking to them. That may have been their final destination. So the interpretation that I have held to uh, this week, um, (laughs) I I remember one time in uh, uh, seminary, um, When I was in Greek class, we were talking about one of these passages that was really uh, difficult. And I, I was first, it was, I was a first-year student. It was actually my first class. And I, I said, what do you do when you have to preach on this type of stuff? And I'll never forget what my professor said, probably the most thing that stuck out to me most in seminary. Uh, he said, David, he said, when you get to a passage that's difficult like this, you go in your office and you shut the door and you study. And you work hard. 
and you come to some conclusions and you get in the pulpit and you preach it with all your heart. I said, thank you. And he said, now, he said, when you come to that passage later, again, he said, you go into your office and you close the door and you study it. And if you come to a different conclusion, you preach that. They're not going to remember what you preached the first time. <laughs> so, uh, having said that, um, I think what they're saying here, he's using Noah again as one of these examples. And Christ preached through Noah's ministry to those who did not repent and who are now in prison because of that. So in the days of Noah, Christ preached through Noah to those who would not believe. Why is that significant? Because in exile, Christ is preaching through you. He's preaching through you, through your life and through your words. So the second example there in your notes is Noah. And I have some things on there, some lessons learned. Just as Noah remained faithful, although he was a minority, so are we. We're to remain faithful, even if we are a minority. We, I can't even imagine what it would be like. I mean, the Bible brings these stories not to go, oh, wow, that's really cool, but to go, could you just think for a minute? You're living in some outskirt town. Population 3,000. And these people hate God. And they hate you. And all of a sudden, you start a building project, the likes of which has never been done on the planet, let alone in this community. And it's not an ocean town, folks. It's not even lakefront property. Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a really big boat to save the whole world. Everybody thinks he has lost the cheese off his cracker. I mean, he's nuts. David walks into Gath with Goliath's sword and pretends it's almost like Peter is encouraging us to look nuts. Look, you keep going, even when no one else is. Just as Noah is righteous in a wicked world, so are we called to be righteous in a wicked world. Just as Noah witnessed boldly, so are we. I don't know how much more bold you can be than building a big boat saying, only those who get on the boat will be saved. It's amazing. Just as Noah realized judgment was coming, so do we. Look, the reason that we witness, the reason that we have hope, the reason that we are zealous for good works is because we know we are living in the midst of people who are lost. And apart from Christ, we'll be eternally lost. Our heart goes out to that. We're, we don't want them to incur that. And it doesn't matter if they hate us. We still need to say something. I don't know, I don't know what you, how you picture this, but even if my worst enemy was sitting, standing in the street and a bus was coming, I, I would say, look out. Why are we, why are we just kind of go, well, you know, we even kind of joke about it. This world's going to 
hell in the hands? It is going to hell. We should, we should stop it. Just as Christ preached through Noah, Christ is preaching through us. God is waiting patiently for people to repent. And eventually, Noah was saved with just a few others. That's one of the stories that's, that's repeating. So we have the witness of Christ, the witness of Noah, and then finally, the witness of baptism. And so Peter says, then this is kind of like baptism. And you're like going, well, not if you're a Baptist because we believe in immersion. No. Um, what, what he is saying here is, look, just as Christ saved Noah through the waters, just as Christ saved Israel through the Red Sea, this is a repeating theme in Scripture, God, as he saves us, when he saves us, saves us also through the waters of baptism. Now, we, uh, when we have baptisms here, we talk about three aspects of baptism one is it's a picture. And um, Peter says here, look, this isn't the washing of dirt. But he is saying that when we, when we have a baptism, it's a picture of being buried with Christ, being washed of our sins, and being raised with him. And so there's that picture that we do here or at a lake or whatever it is that's a picture of what God has already done through us when we repent and receive him as Lord and Savior. The second, we say, as a church, it also serves as kind of a bookmark. It's that point when we go, I made a public declaration of my faith on this date in front of these group of people to say that I'm a follower of Jesus. And then third, it's a proclamation. We are saying, I have trusted Jesus Christ. I have repented of my sins. I am following him. And so what, what Peter is saying is, look, here's another example of what our life is. This is how we witness. This is how we proclaim this. So you, church, have been called to be a blessing by doing good works, even in the midst of suffering and witnessing to a hostile world through our actions and through our words as faith in Jesus Christ. So what are some application and actions? Where do we um, go from here? Here's just a few things to think about as you're leaving today. Um, maybe just think about how could you be a blessing to somebody this week? What's a, what's a place where you could, instead of being the wet paper towel, instead of coming in with a frown, instead of being grumpy about it, where's a place where you can just go and be a blessing to your neighbors, to your families, to your coworkers, to your church? Where's a place where you can just say, I'm just, I just want to be a blessing? And... Uh, and here's the thing, I say these application points and you know, I know that we leave here and we go to lunch and maybe we forget them. Sometimes it might be good just to kind of review these things um, because sometimes you kind of, maybe you think of something and you go, you know what, Dave, we could, I could be a blessing there. I, but then we forget when we leave. So here's the thing that we need to learn. When, when God is, lays something on your heart, we need to follow through. If, you, if, if where we're talking and you're going, man, you know, here's a situation where I'd like to be more of a blessing or I need to be more of a light, then don't take that as Dave's guilt sermon point. Think about that as the spirit working in your heart through the preaching of God's word. So where's a place that you could be a blessing uh, this week? Maybe there's a place in suffering, as I've been talking about this idea of suffering, that you need to reshape your circumstances a little bit. 
And what I mean by that, there's just things that get us down. There's situations we don't like to be in. There's people that are difficult. Um, there, there are things that we um, you know, are praying for God to change. Maybe it's a, a job situation or a finance situation, whatever it is. And maybe just this week you can say, wait a second, God, you love me and you've placed me here. So what, what should my attitude be about this? What am I missing in this situation where you want me to be a blessing and be a light here? Okay, maybe God has another door for you, but he's waiting for you to finish the work that you had at this situation. How do you reshape that a little bit? And then third, maybe is there a person that God is laying on your heart that you just need to say, hey, um, I've been praying for you and I just want you to know if you ever have any questions about this following Jesus thing that I'd love to talk to you about it. Maybe God's laying that on your heart. And you know what? You could get a couple of different answers. One of them might be, you, have you lost the cheese off of your cracker? I don't know. Maybe they think you're nuts. But you know, sometimes when you ask that question, um, I was uh, reading a book, and I, I need to write it down for you. I meant to bring it out because it's a good, good book to go along with this series. It's talking about uh, um, evangelism in exile, and it's kind of on this topic in First Peter. And he was a, a missionary to a Muslim country, and he was talking about a situation where somebody kept reaching out to him, and he was praying, and they were having lunch, and then he finally, at the end of the conversation, said, you know, do you have any questions about following Jesus? And the guy's response was this, why did you wait so long to ask? Now we don't have enough time. What if somebody's been waiting for you to ask? So is there somebody that you need to reach out to? Um, is God laying that onto your heart? And if so, follow through on that. Ask the worship team to come back up and uh, ushers get ready for the offering and I'm gonna close us in prayer. Lord, thanks uh, this morning. Uh, Mostly we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, his love for us, your love for us. Um, We thank you for the new life that we have in Jesus Christ through faith. We thank you for your spirit and for your church. And we thank you for your word this morning that just cuts into us and makes us think and encourages us how to live. And we thank you for the fellowship um, and the community that we have within church, and we praise you for it. And Lord, we thank you for whatever circumstances that we're currently in, some of which we've been complaining about. We have uh, been wrestling with. Some of those situations, God, we may even be, if we're honest, a little angry at you. Why have you put us here? Why do I have to do this? So Lord, this morning, may we be thankful for the blessings that we have wherever you've placed us to be a light for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And may you help us to rethink whatever those situations are for the glory of God. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.